that was the best analogy you could give even it's like you weren't superman what are you on about <laughs> why are you comparing yourself you know to a guy in a red jocks in a cape but that's the way it felt i don't know who you are but welcome to the irish photography podcast sit back relax and listen about cameras gear settings stories and all things photography Join Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast. Let's go. Very welcome to episode 145 of the Irish Photography Podcast. My name is Darren, I'm your host, and I'm joined by somebody who I've listened to for many, many years, and I'm delighted to have him on the podcast now, on the other side of the mic, for me to throw the questions at him. So, somebody who I think a lot of people would actually would know Mr. Victor Barry, Vic Barry. Welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. Hey, Darren, thanks for having me. How are you getting on? Marvellous, boy, marvellous. Thanks a million for coming on. Like I alluded to, I've been listening to you for years, man. So, you know, it is a, it is a strange <laughs> one now for me to throw the questions at you. How's things with you this evening, anyway? Very good, very good, very good. Kids are about to go to bed or gone to bed. So uh, life, life is good. Wife has gone out. So, yeah, I can't complain. I'm the same as that now. My wife is still here, but the, the kids have just gone to bed. So I get a small bit of peace and quiet that we can record, hopefully in peace anyway. So um, yeah. like I said, you know, look, I alluded to it. I suppose I've listened to you for a long period of time. So in case anybody doesn't know who are, who is Vic Barry? Tell us, who are you? For for me, I suppose most people probably know me from, from Red FM and the radio. Um, and that's where I came to, if you want to loosely call the word fame, I guess, in in some scenario. Um, uh-huh. So I spent 11 years in Red FM as the uh, talk show host there, um, both uh, at night and then a couple of rocket scientists decided this guy would be great in the morning as well. Um, <laughs> and that, that, that was kind of, that was kind of the, 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 the bulk of it really. Um, but for, for me, it's always been video and photography. I've had a camera in my hand since um, I can't even remember at this stage. Uh, for for absolute years and years and years, and I'm talking, you know, going back there, you'd be going to the Roman House down the North Main the Street, Roman House. Couple of, yeah, Jeez. to get There's your rolls of film developed, yeah. or or you know, uh, Alan there from the Roman House, or his, was it his parents' family owned it or whatever? They were involved. They had another spot there on on Patrick Street, um, the Photoshop. I think that's still there. So you just drop in rolls of film from this Canon Ixis that I that I had and. Wow. I was just buying, all I was doing was buying, was it, was it 36 rolls of, you know, the, you get 36 shots and yeah. it's just constant, constantly going in there, you know, 36 photos developed, one of them was any good, you know, it was, yeah, and I, I remember, and I, I still, I still have it here, actually, I don't think, um, after pulling the whole place down out there, no, but anyway, um, <laughs> that's all right, that's a load. This is uh, one of the first digital cameras I had, actually. This was a, a Canon uh, PowerShot A40. And then there's wow. um, there's another thing up here, which was a Sony CyberShot. Uh, what's the model on this thing? I'm holding it up to the camera because nobody can, because we're on the, the, the audio side of things. But uh, yeah. this was a very early uh, 6 megapixels. Was a, it was a CyberShot. Wow. I'm not sure of the model number. Um and yeah, so like this has been with me for nearly 20 years. T- it took double A batteries that lasted. They lasted enough for photos. But anyway, so look, I'm, I'm off on a tangent already. But so yeah, so that's how I've kind of come to promise. I've always been making videos and stuff like that. And I've done done lots of other things. Um, 
and so so that's who Victor Barry is. That has not answered the question in any capacity. It's uh, all right. Except just play on my ego, but yeah, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't worry, you know I'm going to get into it anyway as well. I'm going to get yeah. into the nuts and bolts, I suppose, as we go on with it. And it's interesting, you know, immediately you start saying that you get a camera in your hand. I'm similar to that as far as I can remember. I've always had a camera in my hand. I wasn't very mm. good. I didn't know how to use it, but I always had a camera in my hand. And at least that was something that, you know, from a very young age, I was kind of going, right, maybe I like this. Maybe I didn't. And then when I got my films developed, it's funny you say Roman Houseman. That brings back blasts from the past. Yeah, yeah. Go down to North Main Street. Now, I always remember walking past and you see the jewellery in the front of the window and the revolving yeah, yeah, yeah. things around. And I was always fascinated as a young kid and I got home with my mom, you know. And then I started getting into the camera side of things. And that's exactly where I got my first roll of film yeah. in the Roman house. So, geez, that's a best from the past. Jesus, yeah. So I can still smell the place, you know. It had this, yeah. this unique, lovely, like, gorgeous smell. I don't know what it was. It was, like, new or clean or something. But, yeah, it's still, still burned into me, into my mind. And right next door was leaders if you wanted to have a different smell of old uh, fabrics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, myself and Darren totally not showing her ages. No, not showing her ages at all. That was so only three years ago. <laughs> I know, only three years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was a Thursday evening. I remember actually it was my favorite day to go in there. I'm only joking. So you, you talk in relation to having the camera and such like that, right? And I think, you know, I've seen you in recent years and we really get into the nuts and bolts about this from the tech point of view. But mm-hmm. you started off working, I believe, in a video game store. Is that where your love of tech came from? Um, no. So that 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 part is true. I did work in game on 66 Patrick Street. I still even remember the number 021-278-182. And we used to have this ridiculous line that we'd have to rattle off. You know, hello, Game Cork. Have you signed up for a rewards card? Blah, or whatever crap they used to make us arse <laughs> into the phone. Um. So no, like I would have been a big gamer for for a long time, but my whole love of tech came ultimately from from my dad. Right. So, you know, he would have been the one that would have brought home a console. He would have been the one that would have bought Betamax, VHS, you know, mm-hmm. th- mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and then for my eighth birthday, I got a Spectrum forty eight K, and, oh, and yeah. that was kind of it. So. So that really kind of um, started the, the the love affair with with, with technology, um, and unfortunately, it hasn't stopped much <laughs> beknownst to my bank balance. Um, but it, it's just one of those things that it's not for everybody. Um, you know, it, nobody wants to be buying a brand new phone every year or a camera, this, that, and the other. But the way I look at it, you know, you you could spend your money on worse. You know, very, very true. Very, very. It's harmless fun. I mean, you could be in the pub every Saturday watching United and fall out the place and not remember you watched the game, and the money is yeah, gone down the toilet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, uh, and and you talk about you know different gaming consoles. It's interesting you say it there. I mean, the ZX Spectrum was one of the ones, but I remember when I was a kid, I had an Atari. Um, the slotting cartridges. The, the slotting yeah, cartridges. The first consoles we had. Yeah. And I always love games as well. So, you know, it's interesting that you worked in game because I remember when that store opened, I used to work in Partick Street, I used to work in the Vineyard Bar and oh, okay. game game opened. And I was like, yeah, man, I can't wait for this. This is going to be class. And I went over there and I couldn't get over the array of games. I was like, because inside, it was Tomorrow's World that was inside in the Queen's Old Castle. That was the only place that was selling the games before game arrived. Yeah. So now we're going yeah, on like, with nostalgia well, now, aren't we? <laughs> like a very, very quick, another tangent from Vic relating to game. When I worked inside there, 
my my current wife, my wife, um, came in there one day, unbeknownst to me, like who she was or anything, and she always remembered that she dealt and she thought I was a complete a hole because <laughs> she said, "Oh, well, let's work on my computer." And just because I happened to ask a, a question, what are the specs? You know, right. what is it when whatever Windows ninety five or whatever it was? Uh, and anyway, yeah, years later, you know. Because I, I, I met her when I was when I was in game, but towards the end of when I was there, she goes, "I met you a year ago here, and you were an absolute." <clears throat> and I was like, "All right, okay." Anyway, no shift tonight, no. <laughs> <laughs> so she remembers you. You must have made a much bad impression. But in fairness, you got over. I probably yeah, story of my life, bad impressions. <sighs> <laughs> well, I hope we'll make a great impression this evening because, like you know, like I said, fingers crossed. Uh, fingers crossed. Yeah, we're early days yet. You've survived only the first couple of minutes. What are we? We're 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 nine minutes in, Vic. We're flying it by. We're flying it. Um. So, talking in relation to you know uh, technology and stuff like that. I mean, cameras. As you've really made cameras a part of your life, I think. Anyway, right now, and technology is part of your life right now. But I want to go back before I really get into that detail. We kind of mentioned it in the intro and you kind of mentioned it as well introducing yourself. So I listened to you on Red FM. Cork Talks Back with Victor Barry. Tell me, how did all that start, man? How did you get involved in radio? Like, uh, I asked myself that question <laughs> countless times when I was there. Uh, to cut a long story short, um, funnily enough, all of this goes back to when I started in game. Right. Uh, there was one of my best friends happened to work in the shop um, not long after I started. He got a part-time job there. And as time went on, he said, look, he was in college. He was on campus radio. Uh, was it 97.4 or whatever it was at the time? And he mm -hmm. said, look, I'm doing, a, I'm doing a, a computer segment called Bite Me. So Bite with a B-Y-T-E. Right. Um, he goes, do you want to come up and do a video game segment tonight? I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'd be like Howard Stern kind of thing, you know, because <laughs> I, I loved Howard Stern back in the day. Yeah. Um, and I had zero aspirations of ever getting into radio. So I rocked up there one night, one Tuesday night, did it, and then it became a regular thing. So we'd go up there every Tuesday evening at seven o'clock and, and just put out this live, uh, you know, on a camp, campus college radio station, which I don't know how, how many listeners they had. I don't think there was much. Um, and then he left eventually. I think he just left college. And Kieran, who was the program manager at the time up there, said, look, do you want to do you want to continue and do you want to do this? I was like, geez, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Like, mm -hmm. um, And it was a 30-minute show at the time. And then uh, what I did is I pitched them with the advent of the internet. I was I was into the WWE at the time or WWF, the, the right. wrestling. Uh, so I said, look, do you want to do, will we do a wrestling show? And they're like, this is, what do you want to do a wrestling show? <laughs> so it was one of the first kind of radio wrestling shows on the planet. And the only hook that I had for it was, this was a Tuesday because Monday Night Raw went out on the Monday night and it wouldn't air on Sky until the Friday night. We'd have all the results off the internet. So we would present it that way or I would present right. it that way. Yeah. Um, so that was that was the hook. So people actually would tune in just so they didn't have to wait until Friday. So so that was the hook in wrestling news. And then uh, Colm, who had a show, Colm O'Sullivan, who had a show before me up there, he got a gig as producer out in, in Red FM. Right. And after... I, I think station on the air in January, maybe the following year, following October, um, or he, he rang me, he said, look, do you want to come out there and try this thing out with Charlie Wolf? So Charlie was doing court talks back at the time. And I was like, the wrestling thing? He's like, yeah, yeah. He goes, look, we'll try, we'll try just, just calling. So I've got about it a couple of weeks later, sent my wife for above in Galway in some hotel. 
And he's like, yeah, he rang me at eight. He goes, look, we put you on there about 10 past nine with Charlie. And I was like, that was grand. 10 past mm-hmm. nine came and went. 10 past 10 came and went. Uh, and he's like, oh, we're just running over. So quarter past 20 past 11, I went on with Charlie. And there was, you, you know, it's one of these moments where you you kind of sink or swim. And, and Charlie was like, hey, man, why don't you do some of that, like, over-the-top American wrestling commentary? And I was going, what the do I do here, you know? So I'm shouting a hotel room down at like half 11 at night with some fake wrestling commentary. My wife's inside in bed with her head in her hands. I'm sure the people next door to us were crying. You know, normally you hear all kinds of things going on in a hotel room next door to you, but I don't think anybody's ever heard something like this. Uh, so, and, and that was it. And I guess probably about a year later, um, the Henry Condon came to me the late Henry Condon, who was the CEO out in Red, mm-hmm. and uh, Henry said, "You know, oh, do you, you know, do do you want to do this? You know." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Do, do you want to take over the show?" And I'm like, "Taking it in one, hard." I got it. You were on a couple of times before that, I imagine. Or was that after oh, yeah, one? Yeah, but, oh yeah, yeah, right. no, this okay. this was probably about six to twelve, about twelve months in, maybe. All right, um, okay. I don't, so I was like, uh, "I said, but what about Charlie?" He goes, "Ah, don't worry about Charlie. Charlie's going tomorrow." And I'm like, oh, okay. And 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 that was it. Um, and I went in and, you know, no idea about the desk, no idea about, about audio, no idea about jingles, ads, songs, anything. And KC, who's in 96, gave me a crash course on the desk um, one or two nights. And then that was it. Wow. And for the first week, Richard was the producer. He kind of drove everything, as in he pushed all the buttons. Right. Uh, and then... That was it, <laughs> and eleven years later. Uh, so, so, so that was that was how we got into red. Uh, that was how I got into the commercial talk sector. Um, and you know, a couple of uphill complaints later, and all of that it was a really good experience. Uh, you know, uh, I'm very grateful for the opportunity for having eleven years at the at the helm of that. Um, you know, and and I suppose while this sounds egotistical. It's not meant to be, but we we had the number one show on the radio at night mm-hmm. in Cork. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we had really good numbers, um, and I remember when we started uh, in in the mornings because um, the producer, like radio in Cork, is pretty small, mm-hmm. you know. And and mm-hmm. we we took a while to get the wheels spinning, but it, you know, like. John and my producer was friends with a couple of the, the production teams above in 96 as well. And they were like, how are you doing these numbers? Right. You know, um, and we were still like, you know, a fair whack away from, from, from Neil Prendable. And that's not even taking into account of the, the Irish national stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But we were, we were clawing away and, and they were like, how are you doing these numbers? So yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for, for the opportunity uh, to, to have that position for, for, for 11 years, you know. Savage. And you know, it's, it's interesting to hear the story of it because like, I remember listening a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of episodes. But there's one particular was your last episode. And I genuinely, I was almost in tears, man, seriously, when I was listening to it because I could even hear the emotion in your voice because 11 years that you were doing that and then it was coming to an end. So like, how are you feeling about that now? I mean, that when was that? 2014, so probably seven was, years ago. Fe- February, March 2014. Uh, you know what, Darren? Like, that was a fairly uh, dramatic and, you know, 
galactic week, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I suppose that I, I knew on, we'll say, the the Monday, I knew on the Tuesday that that was it. Um, and for the best part, you don't really get a, you don't really get a last show on radio because you're, you're told, oh, that's it, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And they don't want the liability of somebody going on the air going, well, the CEO is this and the board is this <laughs> yeah, and investors yeah. are that and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Uh, so they said, well, I said, look, I want a last show. And they're like, right, when? And I was like, Sunday. Uh, and they were like, okay. And, and they agreed to it pretty quickly. Uh, okay. There was no, like, there was no arguing. There was no stipulations. Um, there, there was nothing that I wasn't, you know, I was just told, yeah, that's it. Go do your last show, you know? Um, and I suppose for that week, it was kind of a bit stressed out. You know, we didn't, we didn't know baby on the way. You're just, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, you know, where, where's the next what, few bucks coming no, from, right? you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, and, and that was trying to deal with the fact of, of you're doing something for, for, yeah, it's like losing a limb or something, you know, you're, you're doing something for 11 years. And on the Sunday, uh, he, uh the Sunday afternoon, it was just this grand Sunday afternoon, you know, uh, w- drove into the station eight or nine. We were on air at 10. John, the producer had put together a little bit of a, a montage of some of the better bits from 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 his time there, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went on and, you know, like all the newspapers are like, give us a comment. And I'm like, I'm not giving anybody a comment until I do this, you know. Yeah. Um, and I went on, I did the show. Uh, I, I guess it was when we were playing, when I was playing out this this montage, kind of, I suppose, about halfway through, 20 minutes, 20 minutes through, I'd, I'd kind of hit home, you know. Mm. Um it, it kind of hit home and that's where, you know, you're welling up and you're teary eyed and you're like, Jesus, this is the last time that, you know, I, I'm going to speak to these 30, 40,000 people or whatever the numbers were. Uh, and it was a very kind of a hard thing to do. Not in the sense of, I want to restrain myself and I want to, you know, tear chunks out of this person, that person, because, you know, radio can be a counterproductive environment. It can be a toxic environment, um, depending on, on, on where you are. Um, and you know, it would have been easy to do that, but uh, it was, it wasn't going to serve any purpose, you know, it, mm-hmm. was, it wasn't going to serve any purpose at all. Um, and I, I suppose the, the one thing is, you know, is like, what song do I, do I play out on? What's the grand finale? Um, and it was Foo Fighters, Best of You, I think was the song I played out on. Yeah. But I used to always have a point every night going, good night, everybody. But the, the last thing I said in the radio was goodbye, everybody, you know? Mm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So so that was that. And then, uh, like, I took one last kind of walk around the station. Even though I, I still work with Red for a little bit after it, I don't think I went back into the station anymore. Uh, and I took one last walk around. I had my desk and stuff and office cleared out. And then just got into the car uh, and and drove home in, in, in a bit of a daze. And I came in and I sat in the couch. My wife had gone to bed. I sat in the couch and I just started reading emails and texts. And, you know, there was there was a couple of, uh, you know, celebs had reached out. There was mm-hmm. different people had reached out. And I sat on the couch till about two or three in the morning. Um, and then the following morning, we're inciting the, the emergency ward in the CUMH because uh, my wife had just 
very bad cramps the whole nine yards. She didn't feel well. We had a wow. baby on the way, uh, Mia. Um, and, and you know, that, that was it. So, like, it didn't get a chance to kind of take a break. And I remember we're sitting inside um, in the CUMH and they have a dedicated section for, for emergencies and stuff. And there's all these other people there and every one of them is just kind of staring. That's Victor Mary from the radio. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and that wasn't my concern at the time. You know, yeah, my concern at the time was my wife and the kid and everything was going to be okay. Um, and everything was okay. But but it's just one of those things where yeah, it was a hard thing to do looking back in it. You know, I, I can't say I, I, I don't think about it. Um, you know, like it was emotional, as you say, you know, you've been part of something for such a long time. It is very yeah. hard to, 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 yeah. to let go, you know. Um, and so not long after that, I was offered a gig in, in 4FM. Uh, and I, I turned it down and I turned it down because the money was crap. What they wanted was too much. And, you know, they were like, oh, well, this is a kind of a national radio station looking at me, you know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, OK. And and I remember I was at a press screening for one of the Avengers movies in Dublin at the time because they had the moviebit.com as well, a website that I used to write and review movies. And I, I, I literally left the breakfast with 4FM after being, yeah, probably not going to do this, lads. Um, went to this press screening. And as I was walking up to the press screening, I was like, yeah, this is it. Radio's over, you know, because the whole thing for anybody in, in, in local radio, for a lot of people is they want to go national because that's where the money is. That's yeah. where, you know, advertisers will pay an absolute crap ton of money just to have a, a national presenter read their lines in an ad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you, you'd go for maybe 15, 20 quid a line in local radio to like thousands, you know, wow. for, for, so uh, that was when, that's when I knew it was over, you know, that, that me and radio Were done. was done. Yeah. It was, it was, it was finished, but yeah, it, it was a hard night. There was a lot of tears, a lot of emotions. Um, and I, I, subsequently, I think afterwards I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I handled it the best I could mentally. Um, I did struggle for, for a while mentally after it because I suppose the way I described it to a couple of close friends is, you know, in, in Superman, when Superman says, I'm giving up my powers and he loses the powers and he bleeds, that was the best analogy you could give. Even it's like, you weren't Superman. What are you on about? Why are you comparing yourself, you know, to a guy in a red jocks in a cape? But that's the way it felt. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I was yeah. like, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to, I can't do a normal job. As, as it were, you know, this kind of thing. And, and, and just, it just felt that way. And, and mentally it was, it was, there was a couple of dark days. There was a couple of really dark days, Darren, to be, be brutally honest. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in that everything happens for a reason and, and that something will fall into place. My wife was like, what are we going to do? <laughs> and I'm like, ah, the money, the money is there for none of it, you know? And she's like, but, but it will, it will dry up eventually, you know? Cause all I was doing was going to Costa coffee every day, you know? <laughs> um, and I kind of threw myself into the movie bit.com in, in a bit of denial and, and worked hard in that. Um, and, and then, um, there's a friend of mine, uh, DC, Donald Cahalan, who I met in the gym of all places. He, he asked me, look, he goes, would you recommend a gym? I know you've been out in, in K2C or what's known as now as SBG Cork. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, he kind of, 
I met him out there one day and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm working with these tech fellas. You should see the offices, you know, with 80 inch TVs and pool tables and free food and drink. I'm like, this is like Google. What? <laughs> I'm like, that's not in Cork anywhere. And he's like, no, no, it is. And I'm like, not a chance. He's like, look, come over and see the place. So I went over, I hounded him and I went over to, to see Teamwork in, in North Point Business Park uh-huh. yeah. um, a couple of weeks later. Uh, and they were like, look, we want somebody to do video. We know you do video because I was doing video for the movie bit. I was always doing video. And they were like, you know, and he was like, look, let's 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 do it. You know, let's let's just just do it. And if you don't like it, he goes, you're going to have to start off and support a bit, you know. And I was like, you're right. I said, that'll probably help me get the note product. And he's like, just just get in there. And he goes, look, if you don't like it, he goes, in three months, he goes, feck it, just just go. You know, he goes, no harm, no foul. You you bought for Christmas, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and and that was, that was I'm seven years in teamwork. Um, in October, as a creative video director there now, um, mm-hmm. heading up a small video team. Uh, so cool. so that's that's the kind of, that's the, I suppose, the, the fall from grace or whatever to, to, to back up. Um, so that's the kind of the professional side of it. But yeah, it was it was it was very, very tough. There was a couple of days where I wasn't sure if I was going to get out the the other side, you know. Um mm. but I remember a couple of months previous I heard an interview with Steve Carell of all people. And you know, one of the answers to his questions was about change and all this. And he's like, sometimes you just have to step into the darkness, you know, and and, and that stood with me. And sometimes that's what you do have to do. You just, you know. Just- absolutely to be able to see the light that's there because if you're if you're in tunnel vision the whole time and not seeing anything different a change as they say snaps you out of it and you have to yeah no 100 percent. yeah yeah and you know when you think about snapping out of it i mean like you know you've been uh, i see you like i say you, know, you said it there like i mean look you you were 11 years um in red and now you've been creative director so like you're you're busy and you keep yourself busy so I remember reading something about you that you you find it hard to switch off and you never switch off and your brain, your brain, your mind is always going, always going. Are you still that way now? And if so, have you learned, what have you learned? How, how, how have you changed? Uh, do you know what? Uh, like, I know it sounds like, it sounds like a cliche. Oh, your man doesn't switch off, blah, blah, blah. Um, I have huge trouble darn switching off. Um, so I, I suppose I, I wear two hats, right? Creative video director with, with teamwork where uh, video team is responsible for educational stuff, tutorial, sizzle, brand. We, we touch off of every facet of, of of a pretty large business. They recently took on 70 million in in funding a couple of months ago. Nice. Um, so huge customer base and so I don't switch off from that, but then there's the other thing. I've always needed something else. You know, I, I can't just come home and sit down. Uh, and I, I went back, I used to make vlogs in, in Red FM uh, back in 2006. Mm-hmm. I never knew there were vlogs. I just thought they were <laughs> bad, but I was still doing them. Yeah. So I, I went back to that kind of not long after I started back in teamwork uh, or, or in teamwork. Um so there's 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 both sides of my head are spinning all the all the time, you know. Um, the only the only time I try and settle down is in the car when I'm driving somewhere, right? And only if I'm only if I'm on my own, I listen to a podcast, I listen to an audio book. Um, but uh, give you an example, I I find I find it hard to watch movies as somebody who's wrote about movies for years. <laughs> I find it hard to watch them now in the fact that I'll fall asleep quite quickly. 
because right. it's the only thing that will shut my brain down or my I just lose interest after 10, 15 minutes. Gotcha. Um, and I, I'm not saying I'm constantly churning out ideas, but it's it's just, I don't know how to switch off, to be honest. The one thing I have found over the last couple of years, um, obviously with, with you have kids and stuff like that, you, you do switch off with them and you do play with them and you do do whatever. Yes. Um, I found a huge love of barbecue. Um, over yeah. the last couple of years, I'm, I'm not talking now like the, the burnt sausages on a disposable grill, um, frozen on the I'm, inside, burnt on the outside. Yeah, I know those. Yeah, ones, no, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I, I'm talking about stuff where you know you're you're putting half a cow up on the top of a fire for like twelve hours. Right. Um, that's that's where I kind of find just time to to sit down, sit out the back. You know, like even and I barbecue all year round. Um. Uh, even just just the winter or just last January February, back into barbecue and just light an outdoor fire, sit out the back with a beer, just to smell of smoke, you know. And and this was at like seven o'clock in the evening when when you know it's pitch black uh-huh. and the kids running around in the dark. Daddy's out here. There's a fire going. This is great, you know. <laughs> and and that was uh, that's where I find a bit of time to to try and switch off. But you know, if I took a day off, I'm like, okay, but day off. Let's go make a video. You know, the, so I, I suppose when your your work is your your passion as well, it never it never feels like work. But yeah, I, I have huge difficulty switching off, huge. Um, and I, I'm not sure how to fix it. And to be honest, I'm not even. I don't even think I want to switch off. You know, that's the thing. I mean, if if you find it hard to to, to fix something that you don't think you need to fix, then you really don't need to fix it because if you enjoy it and it's fun. And it's what keeps you going. Then why stop? You know, and I mean, like, clearly you're a creative person. You know, so if you want to be creating different things, okay, you're creating a barbecue, brilliant. You're creating food. Mm. You're creating it. You know, the smell of smoke, exactly that. It gets it fires the endorphins, and you're going, yeah, I'm enjoying this. Same thing in relation to, as you say, come home, make a video. You might have an idea when you're in the car, going, ah, I have an idea for something. And you come yeah. home, and, I, and I, I nearly bet that you'll come home and you're straight away writing down, going, "This is what I want to do. This is my opening scene. This is the middle part. But this is what I'm going to. This is my hook. This is my thumbnail." And you've it all straight out, and all yeah. of a sudden you're like, "I'm not going to let this sit." Done. Yeah. And bang. Yeah. Like I, I suppose the only thing that I do be be conscious of is is sometimes the kids are like, hey, "You have a camera out again." Can we not just go out without a camera, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm kind of conscious of that in, in in the fact, you know, and I suppose everything that I'm trying to do, hopefully will will be there for them in, in, in years to come, that there's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of memories there anyway. But, you know, whatever success comes to this will will hopefully help have help them have, have something better, you know? But, yeah, and it's interesting you say that because, I mean, I've said it before on the podcast here. I mean, I started my YouTube channel as a joke. So I go, I go taking photos, like take up the phone, I pretend it was Thomas Heaton going, here I am, look at this, blah, 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 send it to the lads. And all of a sudden I'm kind of going, do you know what? I might give one of those things a go. And it starts off something like that. But I really mm-hmm. enjoy making the videos just like you enjoy making the videos. And as you say, you know, you started off in your daily vlogs back in 2006. So that's before the likes of Casey Neistat was doing his vlogs. So you probably were a trailblazer without even realizing that you were a trailblazer. On the daily. Yeah, like my, my, my big regret is never keeping them going because probably one of the best things I could have ever done was record those last days in Red FM, the final mm. night, the whole lot. I, I Now, funnily enough, for a couple of weeks previous to that, ever before this happened, um, so 
before I went back from morning to night, I did actually vlog the whole lot of that, unbeknownst to anybody. I have right. all of these in a, on, on, on a Google Drive, just putting down my thoughts, driving the car, the, the phone like stuck onto the windscreen, that kind of thing. They'll never be they'll never be released, I guess, because I'm sure there'll be a couple of legal eagles come knocking on the door. <laughs> but um it's and I, I just always regret not continuing that or, or not doing the, the last thing because I probably would have had a had a head start. But you know, you mentioned Casey Neistat there. Like I wasn't a big fan of YouTube. I, you know, we'd all watch the stupid videos that that would start trending or whatever they were. Yeah. Um, and I remember, like, we had a, an Apple TV or something, and there was a YouTube. The YouTube channel was on the Apple TV, uh, and we just use it for for Netflix or, or renting movies. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, it was a fifty thousand dollar plane ticket or whatever. And it was it was Casey Neistat. Uh-huh. Um, I I watched that and I was like. That's really, really good. And then I watched another few of his videos and I just started binging Casey every day. But I was like, I used to do this stuff back in 2006. <laughs> and this guy's millions of views. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> um, and it just, it just went from there. And, you know, it, I'm on YouTube five years properly. And it's probably only the last year and a half, two years that I've found my feet, I guess, because... You know, like I, I try to be like Casey. You know, I was right. like, ah, oh, I can do that stuff. I, with I talk at the with a car accident, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, um, oh, you getting on, boy, and all this trap and hip hop stuff. Oh, you getting on, kid? Uh, and I started doing that, and you know, trying random time lapses, not really concentrating on the story or or any of this, and it was just random stuff, and a lot of it just involved, you know, depending on where you're listening, but. You know, we used to go to Douglas nearly every Saturday. We'd go over to Tesco or whatever and, and like, oh, fix the camera out again. And at the time, it was, a, it was a Canon 600D I had. And you'd traipse around Tesco with that. And you'd be like, Jesus, I look like an awful clown here. You know, my <laughs> wife was like, just put it away. And you'd, I'd take very little footage because I was like just too nervous to take it out. Yeah. Um, And it, it just kind of went from there. It was just random stuff. Then I did a couple of car insurance thing, and I I couldn't I you know to get any traction in YouTube you do have to you do have to niche down you do have to kind of specialize in something, mm-hmm. and a lot of the gurus will say specialize in something and then something within that something, mm-hmm. and and the narrower you can make it. So it's about building the audience to to, to pull you. And I was building very little audience. There was ten subscribers here, a hundred there, you know. Uh, a thousand subscribers i thought this is amazing which it was you know um and then because i was always the one that somebody came i'm thinking of getting a projector i'm thinking of getting a camera i'm thinking of getting this i'm thinking of getting that okay um because i i'd set up like even before that case and i said i'd help a couple of people set up a bunch of youtube channels because they all came for camera advice i was like maybe there's something in that and and mm-hmm. then you know I saw a leak for a GoPro video, the GoPro Hero 7. That got a good bit of traction. And, you know, I was always looking to buy better gear because I do think gear does matter. It's not It doesn't overrule story or anything. Um, but people are conditioned to looking at, like, 4K video. They're, they're conditioned to looking at stuff that's you know not full of noise they're conditioned to looking at their favorite youtubers who are all operating um high high production values 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what was in my head. But I was always trying to get something better. And I eventually stumbled upon the Sony ZV-1 when I came out because I'd done videos about leaked GoPros. They'd done like hundreds of thousands of views. And I was like, ah, this is probably another good thing uh, on the ZV-1 when the leak started with that. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I, I bought the camera, you know. Uh, I bought the ZV-1 when when it came out and Paddy and Barker Photographic was able to get it for me. Um, nice. And bought that and just started explaining to people how to use the camera. Mm-hmm. And then I think there was about 40 or 50 ZV-1 videos went out. Halfway through all of that, um, I'd reached out to Sony initially going, I, I found through pure chance the the one of the sony reps for the uk and ireland who's in charge of all the events and that kind of stuff right and i reached out to him and i was like oh can i get this early i'd buy it you know but can you and he's like nah uh, that was it heard nothing back you know and i'm like oh that's that guy yeah. but he came back to me and he said would you make some content for us um and i was like what do you mean he's like will you make content for sony will you make stuff about the sony zv1 he goes will you talk on a webinar will you put together video for us and i was like Yes. Yeah. It's just a no brainer. Yeah. And that's where I started to, you know, that's where I started to find the footing. I guess I was building the foundation slowly, but I was building half of a wall. Then I was like, will I build a window? Mm-hmm. But this, mm-hmm. this kind of, you know, made it a bit clearer on, on, on where to go in the whole cinematography, photography, storytelling, editing space. Uh, and and we kind of just went went with that, and you know, did webinars with the likes of of, of Wex Photo and Wilkinson's Photo, and these huge camera uh, stores. Uh, did they need a translator for life. that in, in Wex Photo? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> they, they 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 got me. Um, and and it was kind of hilarious just just to see all of these wheels in in motion again, yeah. you know, and and yeah. like Sony said, do whatever you want, showcase the camera. Like if you can showcase, you know, uh, we'll say in the ZV1 product showcase, if you, but up to you entirely, you don't have to just do what you want. Nice. Um, and, and, and we kind of went from there. So like it, it, the channel right now is, is it's a 20,200 and something subscribers, three and a half million views, um, which is a big deal to me, Huge. but in, in the bigger YouTube scheme of things, this is peanuts, you know? Squeak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. You know, I I looked at a a Marquez Brownlee video today as it went live. Uh, something about the iPad Mini, and I I got about six minutes into it and I just stopped because I had to go do something else. But he thirty five thousand views in six minutes. I'm like, holy! But yeah, it's 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 one of those things that uh you know, finally I've kind of I see the the wood for the trees now. You know, but you know, um, like because I think like it's interesting you say it there, Vic, right? Um, like the vlog is something that you do and you know you go around you're holding the camera and you say you, you might feel a small bit subconscious you're out in the middle of say Douglas Village or Douglas Court whatever it may be when you're talking about something that you enjoy and you're talking passionately about something that you enjoy it's a lot easier and I know from my own point of view like any of the videos that I've made that get a lot of views are about gear and people mm-hmm. like to buy gear I mean you know I have a thing on the podcast constantly. It's gas, you know, and there's many reasons for gas. And you've listed about 25 reasons for gas and all the different reasons why you have to have the latest or whatever it may be. Mm. But people like gear. People like to buy gear. But more importantly, and I think the the best thing about it is 
people like to learn about gear before they buy it. So go back 20 years ago and you wanted to buy something, you go down to the sound store and you go into Bobby and go, Bobby, is there any good? Ah, yeah, it's great. You can do this and it can do that. Whereas now you can go online and you can see somebody showing you the good, yeah. the bad, the ugly, and the don't right, absolutely fantastic thing that you go, yeah, that's reason 47, got to go get it. And yeah. that's where I think gear is something because, um, you know, and we'll touch on it, I suppose, when we get to the second part of the show as well, because gear is something that you can't live with, but you can't live without. And mm-hmm. when you look back in the camera that you had there, as you mentioned, you know, starting out in relation to oh, the Canon 600. Now you look at that and go, Jesus, what was I ever doing with a Canon 600? But at the time, it was fantastic. At the time, it did everything that you wanted it to do. But guess what? These guys are masters at it. There's an extra little feature. We'll charge you an extra 600 euro for that feature that you never thought you needed before now. But guess what? You do. And you can't do yeah. it. And that's yeah. the beauty of gear. So I think, you know, as you say, niche and then niche down. Like, would you prefer now to be doing your, your vlogs in the car, going around this, doing that? Or would you prefer to be doing what you're doing right now, which is talking about something that you know a lot about? You've, you've touched on the Sony ZV-1. I bought a like, Sony ZV-1. Your, your fault. It's because of you. But, you know, like, and, and that's fact. That's, that's hashtag true story. Because I was yeah. looking and I was going, I got to get a good camera here. I, want, I, was, I was sick of having issues in relation to, I had a, uh, still have it, a Canon G, uh, G7X Mark II. Dude, great camera, but I'm a seascape photographer, so it's been dumped in the water too often and it started to fail. And I was like, okay, time to change it. If I go off and I watch Marquez Brownlee, brilliant and he's very very good he's fantastic but there's nothing local as far as i'm concerned in relation to that and that's why when i found yours and also stephen reed as well who i know you're friends with you know yeah there that's something where you go these are people that i know to a certain extent i don't know you but you know you know what i mean they're close by i can relate to them and it's going to be what it should be good honest um uh, feedback on how to use something and i think that's where people can relate to it it's not fake you know and i think that's where you you've got a huge advantage yeah, and I suppose in the YouTube space, uh, there's lots of different stuff. So some people, you know, you have you you have sponsored content, um, or you have an overview content. So a lot of these overview videos are, I got the Sony ZV-1 just in this as, as an example. It does this, it does this, and this is how the audio sounds. But they never slate it because they've been given the camera for free, and that's yeah. fine. And I, I've been, you know, I've been given product for free. Um, and you know, they don't give much of an opinion on it. Um, if it's an overview, it's an overview. It shouldn't be a review, you know? So I'm pretty sure the contracts they sign are are quite specific Mm -hmm. in that. Then you have the sponsored stuff, which is where somebody is paying you to expose their brand for, for, for whatever reason. Um, you know, I, I became an epidemic sound ambassador. Then they said, look, we want to sponsor the channel for a year. Um, and we want, you know, so many videos every, for the period of 12 months and that's, do what you want. We don't want any creative control. And that's another one. And they're, they're, they're really good to work with. Um, but the authenticity comes into it. You know, I, I had a recent GoPro video where it, it took off and the amount of hate that came at it because I really had a genuinely bad experience. The GoPro Hero 10 Black unboxing mm-hmm. it. It was all over the place. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, boomer vibes and all the comments and they hate. And I'm just like, hide user from channel, hide user from channel. Um, but it's so important to try and give something that's, that, that, that is authentic, you know. And if something isn't good, then it's not good. You don't have to completely demolish the brand 
Um, and I remember when I started doing a bit more generic tech, I, I was looking for something for, for running or for walking, so set headphones. And then I did a review of that and that took off for whatever reason. And then every headphone manufacturer from the back ends of, of wherever started sending me headphones. <laughs> and there was one company, and I, I was just like really kind of fresh in the space. There was one company sent me these headphones, I think about $120. And I said, look, give your honest review. Um, and an amazing box, an amazing set of headphones, but they were absolutely rubbish. Rubbish. When you listen to anything through it. And... You know, I didn't agree to give them a look at the video. I don't do that. You know, I'll, I'll have a kind of a, a product agreement thing. General, it's kind of generic, basic stuff. But one of the, I don't give you the video for approval because this is the best version I'm going to get. The only changes I'll make is if there's a typo or there's 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 whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, it, that can change depending on who you're dealing with. But this company, were like, I, I put out the video and I got an email and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be blacklisted everywhere, you know? And, and they were like, actually, that was really good feedback. Thanks for that. There you go. And, and, you know, and, and that's that's valuable, actually, Vic, isn't it? Like, when you think about that. Uh, totally. But you can go all in and destroy a company just for the sake of the whole YouTube drama kind of thing. But the one thing I've learned, um, Darren, over the years is people can smell BS a mile away, right? And mm. I learned that from the radio. If you're not yourself, if you're not authentic, people see through it. Um, you know, even the trolls and the idiots that, that are living on the internet can see through whatever you're BSing about, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's mm -hmm. there, there's no mm -hmm. point. It's 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 lost, you know. Um there was a couple of Star Wars videos took off for me where I was talking about The Last Jedi and these and I was like, all these people had subscribed and none of them had really left because I was doing not Star Wars stuff after it. And there was a buddy of mine said, he goes, he goes, they came for Star Wars, but they're staying for you. And that always kind of stuck with me because it's a fair point that if you're authentic, then people are going to be attracted to that and you have some integrity about you. Um, so that's kind of, that's that's hugely that's hugely important as well that, that you do have that kind of persona. Don't get me wrong, there's people out there who, who will sell their, their soul to the devil and they will say whatever they're told to say. I, I, I really don't think that's in me. You know, no, maybe somebody backs a truck of money up to the house might be another story, but uh, I'm not saying it can be bought, but no, it's, you know, look, I've been watching YouTube for, for quite a number of years and the creators that I watch, I feel that they're authentic mm -hmm. and genuine. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't see why I shouldn't be anything except myself. Well, look, I could tell you a number of stories in relation to the, the exclusive aspect of photography and the photography sphere let's just say where somebody will send something out and it's this the best thing ever and they'll put their name all over it and two weeks later they're selling whatever they got on the internet and they're sending messages saying how crap it was so i mean look the reality of the situation is you know if it quacks like a duck it's a duck and i think the manufacturer should know about that as well and also the the, the public because as you say like what you don't want is somebody coming along if that's just let's just say that i tuned into yours and you said to me or not, not said to me, but said to your audience, you know, Sony ZV-1, best camera ever, and I bought it. Two weeks later, you're going, Z Sony ZV-10, 10, 10 colors of crap out of the Sony ZV-1. You don't want to buy that Sony ZV-1. That was a useless one. You want to buy this. It's clear to me that there's an ulterior motive there, and you have to be honest to yourself first and foremost, which means that your audience can see how honest you are to them. And I think that's something that I enjoy about your channel, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, I've watched, like I say, a number of your videos, um, and 
it's where I can see something is real. It's the good, the bad, the ugly, and the don't run, don't write outrageous. Either mm. outrageously good or outrageously bad. And yeah. the audience will pick up on that. You know, I mean, you, you can't be a fair weather friend every single week. You can't, you know, be a Manchester United fan this week because they're winning and they won that game. And next week, yeah, yeah, no, it's great way of putting it actually. Yeah. You know, so look, um, I think it's been fascinating there, Vic, Vic you now listening to the, your YouTube journey. What I want to do is I want to take a very, very quick break, right? And I want to get back because I want to learn more about this fantastic studio that you've created at home. So I know there's going to definitely be an interesting story behind that. So look, I'll be right back after this. If you're enjoying this episode of the Irish Photography Podcast, why not jump back and listen to the back catalog we have of episodes, where you'll get some great insights from fantastic guests, gear reviews, lots of hints and tips, and above all else, keeping you company while you drive or relax. Thanks very much for listening. Please consider subscribing, leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast. So, Vic, like I alluded to there before the break, right? Um, I've been watching your channel and I've seen your channel evolve, but I've also seen where you base yourself evolve and your home has turned into a home studio. Tell me, well, there has to be a funny story behind that. I'm sure there is. Yeah, so when we bought the house, we bought the house, uh, we moved in 2006. So when we bought the house, we bought it off of plans. And that was the one thing I said to my wife at the time I was into, I was a huge movie fan. And I had a projector at home. So I want one room for home cinema. And I also want another room for an office for, I don't know what, for the radio stuff. But I was like, I want a home cinema. And she was like, right. So this was a home cinema. The room a minute, it's eight by 10. There's an ensuite to the side of it. But at the time we said to the builders, don't put on any, just put in the pipes. Don't, we don't want any toilets. Don't put any of that stuff in there. And they're right. like, why? I'm like, it doesn't matter. So that was fine. And, you know, painted the whole thing black. And I had, uh, basically, I was able to get hold of cinema seats from the old Sheridan IMAX in Dublin. Right. Right. And I had six cinema seats inside here, right, out of the IMAX cinema seats. And I had three of them on, this is an 8x10 room now, right? (laughs) And I had them on a platform. So I went to a friend of mine um, who who worked out in the dump. I said, if you ever see any pallets, just give me a shout. And he rang me one day, he goes, there's this huge pallet out here. Do you want it? And I was like, yeah, I'll come out. Got it into the car somehow, got it home and screwed it onto the floor. So the three seats would have been at the back would have been slightly taller than the ones because they were elevated. So you could see gotcha. the projector screen. That was fine. Anyway, got all that in, done, speakers, surround sound. And in that little ensuite, they put all the movies in there, shelves a whole lot. That was fine. Um, and we just found we didn't really... We didn't really use it. And if you had six people in here, I, I don't really know six people anyway outside of my family. But <laughs> when you have six people in there between the projector on and an amp on, it got incredibly warm. Now, there was a window right. there, but the projector screen was over the window. And, I, you know, I remember there was one there was one Christmas, over Christmas, we sent my wife, her sister, her sister's husband and my in-laws mum that they came down and we put on love actually and for anyone that's seen love actually you know there's a couple of dodgy nudie scenes in it with okay. the the porn stars or and you're like oh he's like oh jesus this is this isn't good at all and it was this just awkward silence and you know because it was an eight by ten room with six people in there already too close <laughs> to each other and there's ooing and ain and all kind of fleshy bits hanging out and you're like oh he's like oh my god it was it was just awkward so we never really used it as much um and 
when the kids were born, they kind of, you know, they, they like, they love the idea of it because we do a movie night every Friday night or whatever. And when I started doing YouTube stuff, I needed somewhere to talk. So in this ensuite thing, I put in an old bit of a desk, bolted it onto the wall, and I was able to have a computer and a monitor inside there. And, okay. you know, this ensuite must have been, I don't know, Jesus is a tree four foot wide. I barely fit it in there. So wedged okay. in there, talking the camera. If you look at the earlier vlogs, you'll see all the movies and stuff behind All me. the DVDs and videos behind yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that was it. And I was like, so if I had to do an unboxing or anything, I couldn't swing a cat inside there. Sweat pouring out of me, constant swearing, <laughs> trying to move a camera. And I got... I don't know, some piece of wood that I wedged into the wall, I screwed in a mountain to that and I was able to put the camera in as an overhead okay. camera. But I had only one camera because that's all I could afford. So I I do a bit of talking head, then I move the camera up, then I move... Ah, anyway, so that was fine. As time was going on and the YouTube thing was starting to grow, I was like, I, I need to come out into the, the cinema space but I don't want to lose the cinema because I'm this huge movie fan, or it was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I still like the idea, and I justified it for about a year or two after thinking that thought initially. I was like, oh, the kids still love it. Kids never used it. <laughs> Friday nights, Friday nights, yeah. You know, and so I was like, okay, I have to I have to pull the trigger. I rang my dad, and I said, I'm, we're doing this. Took out the cinema seats. Uh, put the cinema seats out, boat into the shed, uh, and we binned them eventually. Um, and and then repainted it. Bought the stereotypical YouTuber desk, which is um, a Carlby countertop for a kitchen, and then there's these Alex drawers and the whole lots on top of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I had a load of uh, acoustic, cheap acoustic panels behind. I thought it looked good, and then it just kind of grew legs from there. Uh, and then I was like, I still don't have enough space. I still can't unbox anything. It's very awkward. I was like, oh, I just, oh. I was comfortable, but then I wanted to keep a couch here because I and I bought another. Anyway, probably about a year ago, I bought another Carlby countertop, sawed it in half, put on, and my wife had this great idea. She goes, "Why don't you get casters on it, and then you can wheel out this desk or or this countertop where you want it." So, for I'm sitting right now, um, I have two countertops or two Carlby countertops, this kind of walnut countertop. And it's about 10 foot long. And one of them is is probably six foot long and the other one's about four foot long um, okay. or three and a half. So if I need to do anything with the second one, I can just pull it out and rotate it. Um, so that was that was really useful. So that's the current that's the current kind of guys. And then I went through another thing is like, I hate looking at these acoustic panels in the wall. They don't sound... They don't seem to be doing much for the sound. It's like they just look tatty. They just ah. So I ripped all of them down, repainted the whole lot, and changed it into kind of what what you'd see in the the current kind of videos now, and just put up a couple of shelves and 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 that um, and 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 that was that was kind of it. And then uh, I put a TV up there as well because I just figure. I can't I take let go a cinema of, room, man. <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't let go. You know, so all I'm doing is watching YouTube videos. You know, I'm, I'm watching Peter McKinnon at like ten o'clock at night on, on on a big TV, and that's it. Uh, and I put a PlayStation in there, but but so that's the kind of studio space. There's a small two seater couch there. So it's an eight by ten room. Um, 
and, and, and it's been a long story. I, I was like really depressed after throwing out the cinema seats. So I had them for so long. It was one of these dreams as a kid that I always yeah. wanted a home yeah. cinema. You know, I ever said if we built a house in the morning, and bought a house, I'd want to put a home cinema in there. And I was like, all the kids would love it. That's in the back of my head. And, but yeah, no, I, I love it. it. It's it's comfortable. Like, I suppose with all the gear and stuff, it does get messy quite quickly mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. every single shoot. I still haven't perfected it. I'm still thinking, you know, could I mount a tripod onto the ceiling where I can just pull it down for something? You know, or will that affect something else? I'm still looking at other ways to try and make it that bit easier because if something is easy to do, then you're more inclined to do it. While before, when I did start shooting out in the the, the eight by ten space or the cinema space, I'd have to set up lights. Mm-hmm. You know, these cheap soft boxes, and they were a pain in the butt to set up. It's just you're dragging out the lights, you're screwing mm-hmm. them in, you're plugging them in, you're falling over cables. It was a nightmare. And it used to really stress me out to the fact we're like, I'm not going to make anything tonight. You know, mm-hmm. that that was it. So uh, in kind of the, the, the last version of this, um, I start, I got this notion, why don't you just put the lights on the wall? So I put a Godox SL60W on one corner, which is my main key light, um, and then I put another Godox behind me just as a kind of a rim light and a fill light uh, or a hair light rather um, if I need it but I did also keep the projector screen okay. so if I'm doing a thumbnail I put on the projector screen I turn on the one of the, the lights and adjust the lighting for it and then just put the, the camera on an interval timer and just shoot 30, 40, 50 photographs and I have a clean backdrop so it's a lot easier to pull it apart so mm-hmm. I have that whole process kind of down um i just want to make things as easy as possible so when i come in the camera is generally on a tripod i might have to move it and i can just press record and go uh, mm. and i i just find that just makes the process that bit easier uh and it's if it's as i said if it's easy to do then you're more inclined to to do it but before it, it used to be an absolute nightmare so so that's the the long story of, of, of the studio has gone through so many iterations um, that, yeah, I, I, I still don't know when it's when it's going to stop, to be honest. Well, I, there's a number of questions come out of that, actually. And the first one is, mm-hmm. when you're watching Peter McKinnon and you're watching Peter McKinnon do his studio, were you getting highfalutin notions that you were going to have, you know, this and then all of the fireman's pole outside the door and then the hanging cargo net and then you have the cage for all the gear and then you've got, <laughs> you know, your pool tail. I mean, like, yeah, that's something I you go, know. Jesus, man, I'd love it. But, uh, Ironically enough, like, Peter sold a lot of his gear. He, he's half of that stuff is gone, gone. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I'd love, you know, I often look at going, I'm going to rent an office space, you know? But then I'm like, okay, I'll go from teamwork to the office to, to a studio offsite somewhere. I'll never yeah. come home. Yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah. as much as I'm wedged into this spot, at least I'm home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I thought what what Peter did with with his space was was incredible. You know, um, it was absolutely phenomenal, and it looks great, and it still looks great. But I, I don't know. I'd love all of that, but as I've accumulated more gear, I'm like, <laughs> you still don't really, you know. Uh, yeah, but I, I didn't get many notions. I did take a little bit of inspiration, I guess, from some of his stuff and Matty Hapoya, because like I know you can't or the listeners can't see it, but but right behind me, 
when I was doing this, the very kind of first version of this, I was like, Jesus, McKinnon there and Hapoya, they have, they have this big wood, wooden floor thing behind them, you know, and yeah. it's really cool. It's the stark wood. So I trundered off into B&Q or it's like a Home Depot if you're in the States. And I bought a load of wooden floorboards, right? <laughs> and uh, I got these and I bought like a, a couple of 8.4s or whatever, banged them onto the wall anyway and tried to get the, and I slotted in the, the, the floorboards <laughs> into it. But it, their floorboards aren't long enough. Right. Okay. So, uh, and I don't have enough space, so I can't get no separation really behind it between <laughs> okay. me and them. And I was like, and then if you have a lens that's too wide, you see the edges. And I'm yes. like, this was just a disaster. So uh, I was like, I'm going to take down my wife. She goes, I don't to give the room character. They never really feature in anything I do, but 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 they're there. <laughs> um, so I, I took that influence a bit 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 too much. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you, you could get carried away, man. You know, you could have so many different ideas that you could do things. You see something, go, yeah, that looks great. But it looks great for where they're using it for, as you say, because you might have a long distance in the background, as you say, for mm. separation and such like that. And something that I've often struggled with, even if I'm doing any videos here from home, is lighting. Because I've got a very, mm. very small area. So, you know, like you're looking at me and at the moment here, no, I've got a, a ring light probably a foot and a half away from me on the left-hand side. And I've got the laundry room on the right-hand side here with the light on the side in there, which is trying to give me a back. Oh, it works, but it's not mm-hmm. ideal. I couldn't put a Godox. I put a Godox on the wall to be on the side of my face here because the wall is so next to me. So you have to have the space yeah. for sure. But I think, you know, hats off to you. I've, like I say, I, I really wanted to talk about the studio space because I think it looks really, really good. Um, you've, got some, you've got some nice subtle lighting as well going on there too. And some nice use of color as well, I think, within that too which really, really works from the YouTube sphere. So, yeah, fair play yeah, to you. Uh, thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Uh, I said, I, I don't know what's going to be next. I'd love to to stick a couple of uh, acoustic panels onto the ceiling because I only recently uh, struck out all of the movies and DVDs, got rid of a ton of them, and I put a recording boot in there because I still do voiceover stuff mm-hmm. now and again. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, doing a show that's an RT uh, in, in October, actually, 19 episodes. So I kind nice. of voiced a lot of that here. From, I voiced all of it from home here. Um, so I just put in a little boot there and a, and a monitor on the wall. I'm like, you know what? I might be doing another lot of this for a year, but at least it's it's set up properly, you know? Yeah, it's done. Um, again, it's, it's just trying to make things, you know, look, you wouldn't make toast in the morning if you had to drag a toaster out of a cupboard every single day, you know? Exactly. Or if you had to go cut the sliced bread every single day, you'd be like, oh, man, no yeah. wonder that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah totally, yeah. It's good to have things prepared that they're ready to go, that you can just go bish, bash, boom, done. But also that you've got the space to be able to work, you know, and, and like you say, you're doing, you're doing an unboxing or something, right? As you say, all you got to do is bring over a table. But if you have to build everything up and tear it all back down again, that's soul destroying because you just get it right and you go, yeah, my lighting was bang on for this one. You'll never get it the same for the next one again. It might be slightly off or slightly to the left or yeah. to the right, you know? Like there's a great uh, YouTuber Caleb Pike, um, and he does these 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 kind of, you know, an all-in-one YouTube setup. So he is like it's a C stand. It's on wheels. Mm-hmm. He's a light on it. He's magic arms, tension arms. He's all the mounts, audio, the whole lot, and it's just there. And just he just like drags it out, presses yeah. record, and 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 goes. So there's there's lots of ways to do it, but whatever whatever can make it easier. Then you know that's what it's about. 
That's what it's about. Yeah. And speaking of making things easier, you know, technology is supposed to make life easier. I mean, okay, computers are, are ones and zeros. There's nothing in between. So it either works or it doesn't work, right? So what, has there been a bit of technology that you have come across now in all the years? And I say all the years, I'm aging you, like, but over the years, um, that has still blown you away to this day? Um, I suppose if I go back to my earlier days, the, the Commodore Amiga 500 was an absolute phenomenal computer that, that, you know, I learned to code in that. I was big into the, the demo scene on the Amiga. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we had a demo group, a couple of us from Cork, we'd code different demos and designs and stuff. So that still kind of blows me away that that power was, was, was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think probably over the last couple of years, iPhones are, are you know, I know it's a, probably a cliche answer, but the amount of power that's in your hand um, from a photography perspective, video perspective, communication perspective, it's 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 mind boggling. Like a, a couple of years ago, I was in a shoot in Boston and I was able to FaceTime the kids from outside Harvard, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. like going, mm-hmm. This is like stuff that you couldn't even imagine when when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that 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 those kind of pieces of tech definitely um, definitely kind of you know uh, yeah they definitely stick out for me. Well, okay, yeah, absolutely, fully agree with you. Except for one thing, which is I'm noticing recently about the new iPhone 13 that they're kind of going why. Because it's more more or less the same as the iPhone 12, and it's just there's no real evolution. Ah, stop, darn! It's got that cinematic mode. Oh yeah, man! (laughs) (laughs) Gonna play it just for that, just for that, yeah. No, but I think you're dead right, though. I mean, look, look at the power we have in our hands from an iPhone 4K video, incredible photo quality, the portrait mode that's built into it as well, Uh, and again, as you say, a communication device. I mean, sat sat nav. Think about that. Yeah, totally. I I could could not get around without Google Maps, my iPhone. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and there it is, bang done. And guess what? You can talk to people too. It's amazing. Well, I don't do too much of that anymore. But yeah, <laughs> no, a hundred percent. Like, and that's the thing: we're we're using our phones for everything except what they were probably designed for back in back in the day. But I don't think that's a that's that's a bad thing either. You know? No, it's not. I mean, I worked in the mobile phone industry years ago, back in nineteen ninety seven, as far as two thousand and one, and I remember at the time when WAP came out which was called Wireless Access Protocol. And I remember going to ESAT Digifone at the time and they were showing us this thing. We're going to send a WAP message now and it's up in the big screen. And the message was like, like dot matrix. Hello. And we were all, Jesus, man, this is just incredible. Yeah. Now, now look at it. You can stream 8K video from YouTube on the palm of your hand in the middle of a field in Connemara. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's 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 insane. It's a good one. It's a good one. And, you know, speaking of, you know, video and what video can do, I noticed that you've been involved with Power of Video as well. Um, tell me a bit about that. What's involved in it and what do you like most about it? Um, so, Power of Video, like when I started watching these Casey Neistat videos, he turned up in Belfast at one thing and I'm like, this is pretty interesting, this Power Talk nothing more about it. Um, and then the following year, um, it turned up, like this Power of Video event. Um, and it was in the the Bullet Hotel in 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 Belfast, um, not too far away, I think, from the Cathedral Quarter. Um, gorgeous little hotel, uh, and I said, "Oh, she's I'd love to go for this." Uh, and I think it was on for um, it was just one day, you know. Right. And 
went up whatever day and arrived that morning to go in and, and was in a back room of, of the bar. It was a function room. I guess it probably held about 30 people. Um, and they had something like a, an ex, like a, a kind of a general all public access kind of show thing where people would speak. I think that might have been in the Ulster Hall, but mm-hmm. this was 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 kind of for the professionals for a bit more of an industry day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you had the likes of Peter McKinnon, uh, you had the likes of Devin Graham. Um, one of the uh, I can't even pronounce his name. Missile. Uh, anyway, he was one of the big Red Bull creators at the time. You had right. Philip Bloom. You had all of these, you know, giants of the industry. Admittedly, like McKinnon had five hundred thousand subscribers at the time, but he was very well known. Mm-hmm. So you had all these people, and we and there was maybe twenty of us sat in in this corner, back corner of a pub function room, okay. and these guys gave thirty minutes, forty minutes of of, of talks. Um, of how they ran their business of uh, like peter did uh, stuff around um b-roll and how b-roll helps you tell the story and he you know i remember at the time looking at this going, this, this is this is where i'm going wrong you know more b-roll <laughs> um philip bloom kind of talked about his experience and that was the first one and that was that was that was it just blew me away um what i kind of learned and what i picked up and when you were around a bunch of creative people, the energy is, is hugely infectious. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and it's inspiring, you know? Uh, and I, I remember talking to McKinnon about like, he's, he's, he had a disaster of a flight and we we're talking about her lingus and chatting away, we're chatting away for a good bit and speak to everybody. Cause you were in such a very close environment. And afterwards everyone just hung around, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. and then the, the following year went up again, um, and this time it, it was a little bit, it was a little bit bigger. And you, you, uh, McKinnon again, they held it in the, the industry day. They held it in the cinema, uh, there, the, at the Odeon and Victoria square shopping center in Belfast. Um, so they had Peter McKinnon, they had Maddie Capoya there, they had Jesse Driftwood, they had Aaron, they have Aaron Craskell, they had Aaron Craskell there. Um, they had a whole bunch of creators anyway. Um, at this and like McKinnon rounded it out, finished the whole thing out. And he, he did this talk in the cinema in his socks. Um, and I, I remember like going again, I just went to the industry day and again, this was something that, that, you know, people would remember you from the year before, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I made some friends up there and, and I remember like, on the drive up, one of the organizers, Billy, he messaged me and he goes, you're on your way. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, look, we're having this, we're having this party this evening. And he goes, because you're in the industry day, look, do you want to tag along? And he goes, all the crazy. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and so you were sitting inside in, in wherever this was in, in Belfast and just everybody, you know, talking, talking rubbish, you know, you'd, you know, these big lengthy conversations, the likes of Jesse Driftwood or McKinnon, just everyone chatting out, eating pizza and beer, having fun, you know? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I remember at the end of, of the industry, the following day, um, I remember I was talking to McKinnon and he's like, I remember you from last year. And he goes, you sat exactly there. And he like at five o'clock or whatever. And I'm like going, wow. nah, 
And then I actually went back and looked at the video, and from his perspective, it was exactly five o'clock where I was, you know? Wow. Um, so I just got to know everybody there, and I we went again 2019, um, which, again, you had the industry kind of day. You had an industry night, which they brought in some of the brands, like Sennheiser gave a talk on binaural audio and 3D audio. You had a choice of different workshops to go to. Then you had the industry day in Ulster Hall, but the night of the the kind of the brand stuff, they brought us to Danske Bank in Belfast and they put okay. us into a vault. And you had the likes of Cody Warner, Pareto Jet, and Ellie Mills uh, giving a talk. And again, in this very intimate environment. Now, sweat was pouring out of everybody. There was no air con. You're in a vault in a bank. Um, and again, that, that was very, very cool. Um, and then, you know, I was always kind of, you know, oh, if you ever need someone to talk, you know, and they're like, all right, yeah, yeah we'll keep you in mind kind of thing, you know, because I, I got to know the guys who were running it um, just through conversations because I'd be the first one out. I, I would come back from the event. I would put the vlog together in the hotel room that night and I wouldn't right. stop on it. It was gone out. So I think they appreciated that. And I, I just, I just got to know them very well. And, and then they were like, I, I pitched them and they were like, yeah, okay. We, we I pitched them a, a talk. They're like, yeah, okay, that, that'll do it. Um, and then COVID hit and then they came back again this year and they're like, yeah, you're booked for this year. But then obviously COVID is causing still, still problems. So, mm-hmm. Something like like I I hadn't been in Belfast in in years. I'd only kind of been once before, and you know, I Belfast is now one of my favorite cities on the entire planet. The last couple of years, we've taken the kids up there on holidays every summer holiday. We've, we've gone up to Belfast. We've gone to the north of Ireland, um, and it's just a great space. But I think, as I said, when you're surrounded by these creative people, even people in the crowd, that everybody's there for the same reason, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And everybody will jump into a video. They they don't whether they know who you are or not. They will jump into a video. They will take every 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 idea. Um, you know there was there was a guy Orin uh, there the last one that they had, and he was like going around to everybody, walk down the street. When I tell you to stop, just freeze. And then he rotated around. Just was like a matrix shot. It was a very clever idea. But he got everybody to do it. And every, you know, all of the creators that were there were, were open-eyed Sean Juris in a video and stuff like that, you know, and they just took your direction, you know. So, it, again, you cannot go, if you don't go to something like this and, and, and be inspired, then there's something wrong, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Now, not all of the talks were amazing, you know. There was one or two where you're like, uh, but said so the industry day stuff, you, you did learn a lot, you know. He's come back with like a, a, a notebook filled to the brim, of of tips and strategies and 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 things to try out you know mm-hmm. just different perspectives there was no secret sauce there was no oh if you put this hashtag in the algorithm will put you there's none of that it, it yeah. was just this is another way of trying to do something a different way that you might have never have thought of you know um and and that was energizing and, and inspiring you know, I I agree with you wholeheartedly in relation to the whole concept of being around other creatives. You know, you 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 feed off the energy in relation to it. I mean, you know, again, photography, 
typically photography is a kind of a lone sport, right? You're going off, if you're a wedding photographer, you're on your own unless you've got a second shooter. If you're a, um, a landscape photographer, you're up in the first thing in the morning, last thing in the evening. You might be on your own most of the time. But when you go out with a bunch of people, you feed off each other. Ideas will come. And when you start bringing video into that as well, I mean, there's an energy there. There's an excitement mm. there that you can't, you can't bottle and bring it with you. You have to be there yeah. to be part of it. But it's interesting just listening to you talk about it, Vic. You know, I mean, the passion that you felt, it's still there. And you can feel that as well. I mean, your, your mindset and your state of mind at that time, you can go back to that and those feelings and you can draw from that again when you mm-hmm. ever need to because you were there, you were part of it. You can explain it to me, absolutely. And I can feel that. But from your own point of view, if you're ever feeling going, ah, oh, geez, I don't feel like doing it. All you got to do is bring your mind back to when you were there with the guys and learning from them and going, you know what? Yeah, whatever. Sean Juris says, just don't think about it. Just do it. You know, mm-hmm. what, what's the phrase they have is um, done is good enough as opposed to perfect. Yeah, done is better than perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you totally. know, so, and I, that's where I think these events, and, and I love the name of the whole concept, you know, that the power of video, because you have to tell a story. You have to keep your audience mm-hmm. engaged. And if you know that, and I see that in your videos watching on YouTube, you know, you're taking them on a journey, be it good or bad. I mean, you talked a moment ago about the YouTube, uh, the, the GoPro and the frustrations. I knew straight away by looking at the thumbnail and that, okay, this is going to be interesting. But the reality is it was very interesting and you took me the whole way through. I remember commenting and going, yeah, this is fantastic. It's the best thing I've seen all day. Why? Because it was you weren't taking it too seriously, but you were taking it seriously because you were genuinely annoyed or pissed off. There's like, why is it taking so long to update this, right? So you will get the feelings from that when you're in a big event, when you're talking to somebody, like, look, look, let's say McKinnon. McKinnon's a big name, right? So 500,000 subscribers, what's he at at the moment? 5.4 million subscribers, right? Yeah. Casey Neistat. Casey Neistat is a visionary in relation to the whole YouTube sphere. I mean, I love the story of Casey Neistat. It's something which is still fascinating me in relation to his company, Beam, and how he sold to CNN for $23 million. And now he's in um, LA being a surfer and he's not making videos anymore, but people are still wanting to be part of that. Mm. I guarantee you, if he released a video tomorrow, it'll be straight in, faster than Marquez Brownlee, and there'll be more people going, what's he up to? We miss Casey. So people buy into that whole idea of learning from others. But when you're there, in the moment, in a fault with Cody Wanner telling a story in relation to whatever he was mentioned at that time, you feel a personal aspect that you can draw back on that. And that's mm-hmm. what movies, you know, you, you, I, I, I love the Avengers. Okay. I've, I've, I've never met any of the Avengers, but I can tell you that, you know what, if an Avenger movie came out tomorrow, I know I'm going to enjoy an aspect mm-hmm. of it. But when you can live and breathe in that, I, as I'm talking, something comes to mind is Transformers. My wife's American and we were in, always go to the States before we had the kids. We used to go every single year. And I was right. in Chicago having dinner. And all of a sudden I see the whole road being closed off and I'm like, what's going on here? And I go outside the door and they're closing off the whole area um, by the river because they were filming Transformers 3. Sweet. I remember this. I, could ne- I still won't get it out of my head because this is big movie. I've never been around a big movie in my life. But I go off outside the door and there's this guy with a clipboard. And I said, you know, typical, you know, cheeky Irish fellow. Like, hey, what's going on here? He goes, oh, we're filming Transformers, sir. I was like, all right, I go in. He goes, I said, what's your job? He goes, I'm continuity. I said, how do you mean continuity? He, goes, he takes out a folder and he starts showing me pictures of what they've taken that day 
and they have to bring all the parts of the buildings that I'm looking up at that were made of styrofoam back down and putting back in the same place. So I saw parts of Transformers 3 before they were even in the cinema. And that yeah, to yeah. me, when I and then when I go to the cinema, I've been part of that. You know, so I can absolutely yeah. get the idea of being part of that that collective culture, that mind, hive mind situation. And I imagine when you came back down the road after putting your video out there for Power of Video, you were like, yeah, next, next one, come on, bang him out, bang him out, bang him out. And I guarantee you the, the, the quality of it as well increased from the industry days, yeah? Um, 100% from what you'd learn. And I suppose, you know, secretly when you're putting this together, you're like, oh, I hope McKinnon sees this or I hope Philip Bloom sees this or, or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. and... And I don't know whether that makes you work harder in the edit. You should always work harder for the audience. But I remember Philip Bloom actually came back and, and was well impressed with, with one of the vlogs. He thought this was a great vlog. Um, and I know McKinnon had liked a few of them. So I'm like, oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, in my own head, if they think it's good, then it must be good. Yeah. You know, you're, you're kind of, I suppose, guess when you're starting out, you, almost you want validation from, I won't say your heroes, but you want validation from from people that, that you admire or that you get inspired from because they're doing a good job. You're doing it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know? Um, yeah. So that, that, that all, that always helps, but like you have to be open to it as well, Darren. That's, that's the other thing. Right. Cause I remember the first, I was like, oh, sure, what am I going to learn? I'm, I'm, I'm editor supreme. <laughs> my, my first, my first session when I felt, I was like, I know nothing. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I know absolutely nothing here. These guys are on a different stratosphere completely. I know nothing, you know? Uh, and, and that's when you reassess and you go back and you learn and you learn and you learn and readjust and, 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 and keep going. And I think that's the one thing with Power Video that uh, they have helped inspire so many creators. A lot of them still, you know, are they making videos? No, but they gave it a go and, and making videos are taking photos it's not for everybody and, and that's absolutely fine mm -hmm. but there are people who who have who've still been there i remember um uh ali abdal is i think is his name he was this medical doctor in the nhs he was a doctor in the in nhs in the uk and he sat behind me at power video um i had no idea who he was but i always remember his accent and i was like that sounds familiar I'd seen one or two of his videos because he did these things, you know, how to pass your medical exams, or he had one of these two videos that the YouTube algorithm served me up. But he asked our leaves about, well, I do this and I do that and I do the other. Um, and he shut him down straight away going, pick one thing, you know, and he's in the productivity sphere now, well gone away from, from um, the medical stuff and the exam stuff, but he's five five odd million subscribers plus now, you know, million pound business a year. Oh. Um, and he's somebody else that maybe that conversation did change, uh, you know, his course. Mm -hmm. Something mm -hmm. that was said, whether it was right or wrong, got him to think about something else in, in, in another way. Mm -hmm. I thought about B-roll in a completely different way from, from what, Peter McKinnon had said, I thought about stock footage in another way from stuff that Devin Graham had said. Um, so all of these things are, are part of the journey. And again, you know, if this is the path that I'm on, I feel I absolutely was always going to be there, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. in the crowd or whatever uh, and learning. Uh, but you, you have to be open to it as well, you know, because 
everybody likes to think that they're the best at what they do until you meet somebody who's better. And that's where you can go, can I learn something here? Or am I just going to be, you know, egotistical and go, ah, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So you, mm-hmm. you, you've, you've got to be open to it. And not everybody is. You know, I said, I was one of the people who's like, I know everything. <laughs> I'm like, if you haven't a clue, sit down, son. You don't know anything. Mm. Well, you know, th- these guys are, are, are doing what they're doing because they're good at what they're doing. They're enjoying what they're doing. The audience can see that they're good at what they're doing, and that's why they engage with it. And if you can take 10% from that and bring that to yourself, then that's 10% better than you were yesterday. And if you meet somebody oh, yeah. else and you get 10% from them, then you're 20% better than you were two days ago. And that's life, really. We, we, we never stop learning. The moment you think that you know everything, forget about it. Just stay on the couch and don't bother getting up again because you will never know everything. Like, yeah, 100%. You know, and I think like when we, we talk about, you know, power of video and, and, and the storytelling and keeping the audience engaged and such like that. Like Peter McKinnon, we go back to Peter again, you know, but the vlogging with a 1DX. And people go, what's he doing vlogging with a 1DX? Okay. Now, all of a sudden, people wanted to buy a 1DX because Peter was able to get buttery smooth, buttery smooth, as he says, and his, yeah. his slow-mo and his B-roll. Corny Wanner was was vlogging a, a, a manual um, focus. Now, he's gone out of that. He finally saw the light in relation to that. But I remember at the time, he was believing that's how it should be done. And Casey Neistat did a video with him going, this guy does it manually. And so did Peter McKinnon. And then I see him with Jesse, and Jesse's teaching him how to use the... Uh, EOSR and get away from the whole. So you will yeah. always evolve. You're always changing, you know, and like something I wanted to ask you actually, and I think it's something, you know, which is akin to your own channel because your channel has evolved away from your daily vlogs into gear. And do you think that people buy gear because they think it's going to make them a better filmmaker or a better storyteller? Or should they learn how to use the gear that they have better to enable them to tell a better story and make a better film. You know, that's, I can make the Sony ZV-1 dance for you, but that doesn't mean I can use it to tell a better story. Okay. Um, if if there is, you know, and obviously look, we all want the new shiny stuff. I recently bought a Sony FX3 because it was the dream camera, 4K shiny. 120. Yeah. Exactly. You know, um, and I, I still haven't had time to, to dig into it properly, but that camera is not going to make me a better storyteller. It's going to make stuff look a little bit better. And it's going to give me a couple of options that that I, as a creator, want. Like, I want to expose 4K 120 and so on. But theoretically, you know, my daughter has this tiny VD Zoom camera that, you know, she got as a birthday present. 50 quid, 60 quid, whatever. She can make a great story on that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. So buying buying gear, thinking that it will make you a better creator is is wrong. Buying, we say, a zoom lens because you need some dementedly, you know, long separation or you want as for a specific need as part of something you're trying to create, that's a different story, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but just buying something shiny and new, it's not gonna make you a better creator if you were to spend 500 quid on a GoPro uh, because it was new. But, and maybe spend the time to learn how to use it. That's still not going to make you a better creator. Would you have been better off spending that 500 quid on ways to tell a story? You know, mm-hmm. would you have been better off just taking a fifth of that 500 quid and buying a couple of books like Long Story Short or any of these books that do a really good job of explaining story structure? You know, even from the 
beginning, middle and end. And that's something that's hugely important because that's all people will remember at the end of the video. So it has to make them feel a particular way. YouTube specifically is entertainment or education. Um, and obviously it blurs the lines at times, but they have to feel a particular way by the end of the video, whether that's inspired, whether that's knowledgeable, whether that's laughing, sad, whatever. And the only way you can do that is not with an 8K camera, but the only way you can do that is with a story, mm. you know? Mm. And even from from the photography perspective, um, every picture, and I know it's a cliche, but it's so true. Every picture should tell a story, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, buying better gear, you're out of your mind if you think it's going to make you a better creator, unless you have a specific need. But just invest the money in, in telling better stories, you know. Um, yeah, or learn you, how to edit better stories. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like you know, if you want to go and take photographs of birds for argument's sake, you're not going to be able to do that with a wide-angle lens. You need to have a zoom lens to get proper mm-hmm. photos. It's just not possible unless the bird is dead and that you can get close to the bird because the bird's going to fly, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So you yeah. that's where you will have to have certain gear in relation to do it. But it's interesting you say, you know, learn how to edit better. I mean, like we mentioned a second ago about an iPhone. An iPhone camera is better than the camera that you showed me at the very beginning. The quality that's within mm-hmm. it is far superior. But you have that in your pocket right now. So you can tell an incredible story. Only recently in, in my real job, I had somebody ask me, you know, um, about a camera because they knew that I'd take photos and stuff like that. And I said, don't waste your money on it. You have a phone. Master it with your phone, first of all, that you really understand what you're doing first. And then if you want to build to upgrade it afterwards, once you understand mm-hmm. how to use because you only get frustrated. Like, you know, mm-hmm. editing is something interesting. And it's something I want to touch on there in relation to editing video, but just on editing photos. I edit my photos in Lightroom. I don't use Photoshop. Why? Because Photoshop scares the shit out of me because there's so many different buttons. There's so many different ways to do exactly the same thing. I can do what I want to do, which is edit a photo in Lightroom. I've started to mm-hmm. learn Photoshop, yes, in pieces. But you can, you can do it this way or you can do it that way. You can, I'm like, oh, Jesus, whatever. I just want to get the photograph edited, right? But when you start going into video, and that was something that I really it broke my heart in the beginning and it still breaks my heart, to be honest with you, know, because, you know, get it right in camera. Otherwise, you won't be able to fix it in post. But you can fix certain things in post, but you can turn mm-hmm. a pig's ear, or what's the phrase? A sow's ear in, or pig's ear into sow's, whatever the phrase is, right? If it's Polish muck. Turd, it's, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it's yeah. muck, it's muck, right? So yeah. I noticed when I was watching stuff on your channel, you use uh, Adobe Premiere. Mm-hmm. Why, why Premiere? Why not Final Cut Pro? Or why not uh, DaVinci? Uh, I suppose predominantly, um, even though I have a MacBook, uh, I, I really have great difficulty trying to use Macs. It's, it's I'm just too used to Windows. Um, so when I started video editing years ago, I used Sony Vegas. And then I went to, uh, when I was entering these animated shorts and stuff into film festivals, I used to use Adobe Premiere, Adobe, yeah, Adobe Premiere 6. Because there was a good way of, of outputting from that full screen and you could into a little kind of a, a SCART box and you could record it onto VHS and you could submit your video. Okay. Um, and then I went back to Sony Vegas because Sony Vegas was just that bit easier. And then when I started in teamwork, I was like, Sony Vegas really isn't, is, isn't the kind of a commercial piece of kit. But nobody knew what I was editing on and nobody still knows what I edit on or what you'd edit on or, or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I made the switch in Teamwork to, to, to Premiere uh, probably about six years ago. Um, and I went all in on it. 
and I just never left. So I got completely into the the kind of the Adobe ecosphere, especially around After Effects and that. So you know, dynamic linking is something that that's useful. Um, and, and just on a slight tangent, I think DaVinci Resolve is probably the best piece of software out there uh, for anyone that's starting out. If you start in that, it won't do you wrong. So I used to do a round trip workflow. I'd edit in Sony Vegas, I'd color grade in DaVinci, then back out with XMLs or whatever. It was just a painful process because at the time, DaVinci's, DaVinci is still like one of the industry, Hollywood industry standards for color grading. Uh, and was, oh, like I'm using the stuff that the lads in Hollywood use. So sure, it must be good. Going back to that inspiring thing, um, and I stuck with it. Um, and over the last couple of years, uh, Blackmagic have really evolved DaVinci Resolve into an absolute beast of a software suite, editing, grading, fusion, it's kind of similar to After Effects. And it's optimized to within an inch of its life for every computer while Premiere is, I think it's still built on some legacy code that they can't change because the whole thing will explode. Mm -hmm. And I, I've had my, but so I just, even though I've gone back to Resolve every now and again, and I've looked at it, even as close as about nine months ago, it's see could we use it commercially. It just doesn't fit the workflow. Um, so, so for me, the whole, I'm just too kind of into the whole Adobe suite between Photoshop, After Effects, uh, Illustrator to a point, Premiere Pro, Lightroom, um, Lightroom on the CC uh, or, or Lightroom Mobile or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. So I'm just too far in there. Um, but it's not that one is better than the other. All they do, ultimately, what forget about color grading. Ultimately, all uh, a non an editing piece of software will do will allow you make cuts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And where you cut is where you're telling your story is mm -hmm. where you're keeping the pace going, where you're putting in the shots. And they all do that in the exact same way. Cut, 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 export. That's it. So they all do the same thing. So it's not necessarily one is better than the other. For me, I use After Effects quite a bit. Uh, so that workflow works for me. I like the Lumetri color grading in, in Premiere Pro. Um, even though like DaVinci is a node-based editor for, for color, it's very different. But that works exceptionally well um but ultimately they're all doing the same thing nobody cares what it's edited on it's it's what i would suggest to anybody is try 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 them all they're all free trials even same the, the photo aspect some people will go to affinity photo because mm -hmm. lightroom doesn't cut it in the ipad for example mm -hmm. um and no particular reason i guess i'm just comfortable with it and i don't have the need to change don't get me wrong, Darren, there are some days where I'm like, how many times can this thing crash? Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. um, because it's still not as optimized as Final Cut is probably the fastest piece of kit out there on, on something like, you know, an M1 MacBook or a Mac Mini at the moment because it's an Apple product and Apple products are optimized for the best possible user experience. And DaVinci is close to that. Adobe, on the other hand, uh, Premiere, not not as much. You know, I I think they should just slow down the updates in Premiere and rebuild the whole thing from scratch. And I think Premiere Rush was some kind of version of that, and it works really really well. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just I'm just yeah yeah exactly. I'm I'm just too into the Adobe sphere to to be honest. Um, they are expensive, 
but their their stuff is is really really good. But the other ones said nobody knows what you read it on. Mm. Ah, absolutely. And you know what? As you're talking, Derek, and it thinks uh, you know somebody who starts off in a Canon camera invariably stays with a Canon camera or Nikon. But you know, obviously, you're different to that because you've changed, obviously, from the Sony point of view, and then obviously GoPros because GoPros have been something that you know we've alluded to a number of times. There, they're they're like the gift that keeps on giving because you know they'll keep coming up with new iterations, but it's the same thing. You start off with an action camera that you stick onto a helmet of somebody or a boat or whatever it may be, but now a GoPro is something like you used there recently when the Cannonball came to Cork, and you know you can you can go around. It's not as intrusive. It's something which is small. So mm-hmm. somebody who starts off in a GoPro is not going to feel as comfortable moving over to a full-size DSLR or whatever it may be. So similar yeah. to the editing point of view, and for me, like I say, with, with Photoshop, I mean, I have Photoshop. I've, I, I learn it slowly, but it just confuses me when I want to get the job done. I use Final Cut Pro for my video editing, and I don't see any issue with that. I thought about going to you know, Premiere and going, okay, but what does it do that Final Cut doesn't do? And it's what you're comfortable with. I mean, ultimately, yeah. as you say, nobody knows or cares what you edit on. They're more interested in what the final outcome is going to be. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it's whatever works for you. There's... There's people are making videos on iMovie. There, there's so many of these compilation channels. Um, and you'd see the occasional transition. You're like, oh, that's an iMovie transition. But so what mm-hmm. about it? You know, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're, still, they're still pulling in millions of views. And these things are edited on phones or they're edited on, I, you know, the software doesn't, doesn't matter. It's, it's what you do with it is, is what really counts, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've got one final question for you, I suppose, before we go for our final break. Um, and it's something I think that we've alluded to at the very beginning as well. Um, about the whole aspect of a creative outlet, right? Um, So, like, for me, uh, photography for me is my release from the real world, okay? So I I work quite long, uh, I suppose high-pressure job, let's put it that way, but when I go off out with the camera, it's my release. It's my release from the real world, but it's also really important for me to be able to get time with me. From your point of view, I think, you know, we alluded to earlier on about, you know, having the creative outlet to be able to free up your mind and... Get rid of all the baggage and the help mm-hmm. from the mental health point of view. How do you think it is, how important do you think it is from the creative side of things with photography, video editing, whatever it may be, is vital for mental health? I think anything that, that can take you away from the humdrum of everyday life or something that is, uh, that's going to wear you out, whether that's, that could be your day job, it could be your night job, it could be whatever. I think it's hugely important that you do get that release and a lot of people don't get that release because they don't have, you know, my attitude is why isn't everybody making YouTube videos? Why isn't everybody pressing record? I don't understand why they're not. Um, but that, that, that's me. Like for me, it's, it's, it's not necessarily, a, it's not necessarily a release at all because I'm shooting for the edit constantly. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm looking at a shot list constantly or I'm plotting out the next thing in my head. And But it's hugely important to have something. And, and I guess for me is I watch my old videos all the time. And before a video is published, I'll have it looked at two or three times because I actually get that shot of endorphins or serotonin or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, from seeing the finished thing mm-hmm. so for me that's the release and then it's mm-hmm. on to the next one mm-hmm. but 
it's hugely important. You know, like if you put away an hour every day or every night to, to watch YouTube videos because that makes you feel good, great. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we covered so much stuff with mental health on, on, on the radio over the years. And and it's something that it's always close to my heart. I've had my own mental health issues. You know, I, I think at this stage, um, everybody's had them. And, and I don't mm-hmm. say that lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do, you do need something. You know, you you do need something. And like from a creative perspective, right now, everybody has that outlet in their pocket. You know, um, maybe somebody doesn't like making videos, but you know what? Maybe somebody likes drawing on a tablet. Maybe somebody just has a passion for taking photos. They don't know it, but until they do. And then before you know it, they're looking at the end result. Mm-hmm. And then six months time, they might go, well, that was the first photo I took my phone. Look at the one I've taken now. And Great. that that's that's progress. And I think progress is 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 very re, like we're a reward driven society. We're always looking for likes or views. But I think when you can see your own personal progress, it's a, it's a huge it's a huge release. That said, as I said earlier on, like video or photography may not be the outlet for everybody. It could be knitting. It could be painting. It could be as simple as as you know walking the dog. 10 mm-hmm. times a night mm-hmm. and so be it, you know, but whatever, whatever works for you. And I'm sure there's, there's, there's loads of kids out there that, that have passions that they don't know about because they're not exposed to it. There's nobody encouraging them about it. There's nobody going, did you ever press the button? Yep. Nobody's asking the question for, for one reason or another. Now I'm a big believer that you have to help yourself before you can help anybody else. But still, I think it's a it's a valid point. Um, I think when you're like some people are naturally creative, you can't force it either because if you're like, oh Jesus, if I take photos now, I'll be, I'll be less stressed out, or I'll get away for an hour every night. But then if you're out and you're struggling with a camera or a phone, and then you're yeah. trying to edit it, and you're like, Jesus, this is this is this is the worst thing I've ever done. Yeah. And then you're you're compounding one problem and adding another to it. And in a week, you're worse off than you ever were. So, you know, if it works again, like the software or the camera, whatever works for yeah. you, yeah. Try, try and try and find something because we all need something. You know, I'm I'm a big believer. This this cannot be just life. This 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 cannot be it. There's more to it than this. Mm-hmm. It can't be. Let's go to work. Let's come home, and that's it. You know, yeah. let, let's play, you know, and all of those things are important, but that can't be just it. You know, it, it's, it's for me anyway, there has to be something else, whether that's somebody buying a Sony CV1, not that I get any commission from Sony, but there has to be something else where you make an impact or a change on somebody's life. And I, I guess that's probably the radio career that I've had where we helped an awful lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that I'm every night going, oh, well, I helped, you know, 10,000 people on that video today. You know, it's not that it's it's just knowing that the smallest thing can make can make the biggest difference in, in, in somebody's life. Um, so I, I think that's that's kind of that that's hugely, hugely, hugely important that that, you know, everybody has something that they can offer. Um, and you don't know what it is until you try a couple of things, e- even on the video side of it as an argument. There's this whole theory of five buckets of content or three buckets of content. So let's say somebody's starting a YouTube channel in the morning. They, okay, I'm going to make five knitting videos. I'm going to make 
five YouTube tutorials. I'm going to make five photography tutorials. I'm going to make five comedic sketches. I'm going to make five whatever. And you'd see what sticks and see what you like. So there's that side of it as well. But it's hugely important to find something. That we all need something. And sitting down on your phone, thumbing through Facebook or Instagram for hours every night, in my view, isn't that. Because as much as I like social media, it, it is kind of, it can just really numb you down to the core. Um, I, I used to find Facebook incredibly frustrating just for the fact that I'm like, why, why is this idiot popping up in my feed? Why am I friends with you in the first place? You know, and I'm quickly reminded, well, you left everybody into our lives when you were on the radio and you just maxed out the friend requests in Facebook because you accepted everybody. So I just did a call on Facebook of people I didn't really know. I brought it down from 5,000 to 500, 700, something like that over a period mm -hmm. of time. And even mm -hmm. still, I'd be like, why is this idiot commenting about this? And then if you have some negative experience, even from that alone and the fact that that comment, you know, F this, that's really annoying me. Mm -hmm. That's had an impact on you. So what I did was I unfollowed everybody. I don't, so all I see these days on Facebook is camera groups and Facebook groups, mm -hmm. or, 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 or barbecue groups. So it's cameras <laughs> and barbecue. That's all I see. If I want to see what Johnny is doing, I have to actively go to Johnny's profile and scroll through his stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I found that was a huge help, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I think it, it's really, there's a huge underestimation on on the effect that, that social media has. On, on people's lives, you know, who are not necessarily in that space because some people do think that's how the world works. You know, mm -hmm. people are influenced by by influencers. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the other side of the mental health thing. So that's why it is important to have another release. But I guess if you tie in the photography or the video side of it, you're like, I made this great video, but nobody's looking at it. I took this great photograph. Two people liked it. Mm -hmm. So that's almost feeding it as well. So you should do it because you want to do it. Exactly. Not for the likes, not for the views, not for the subscribers or the followers. Like if that happens, that's like an organic byproduct. If that's where you put it, mm -hmm. but you don't have to put it there, but then everybody wants validation in, in, in some shape or form. But first and foremost, do something because you want to do it. And only you want to do it. doesn't matter mm -hmm. what it is. But it is it is it is very important to to keep the old mental health in check. It's hard to keep it in check. Um, it, it, I fully agree with you, and I think it's even harder now because there's so many different bombardment of different messages. I mean, I have a philosophy in my life. I had it for many many years, which is you know I decide who takes rent in my head. It's only rent. They're never going to be there, but I decide it. And if I want to evict them, I evict them. But I let them mm -hmm. in in the first place. And if you are mm -hmm. bombarded with all these different messages, there's some of them that are going to stink. They're going to slip in and you may not even twig it at the time, but it's there. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. something else will come and that will trigger it as well. And photography is a big one because people is all about you know, the endorphin release and, you know, oh, I got a hundred likes in this image. I'm a better photographer. You're not a better photographer because you got a hundred likes. It's just that you got a photograph that a hundred people saw and they said they liked it. Yeah. Which, you know, your your own creative is for you. I mean, you know, you make your videos because you enjoy making the videos. I make my videos because I enjoy them. I never make my videos for, uh, sounds harsh, for my audience. I make them for me. If my audience mm -hmm. like it, then brilliant. 
But at the end yeah. of the day, I'm making it for me. Same with my photography. And I think that's where, you know, having a creative outlet, you, you hit on something there a second ago, you know, but um, it could be anything. It could be painting. It could be knitting. I think when we were growing up, the different things that we're exposed to, the more things we're exposed to, the better in regards to finding a hobby. Because I don't know about you, but I have a lot of friends now at my age that don't have a hobby. They don't have something that they go off and do creatively for themselves or in their own thing, except for going to the pub on a Saturday to watch United lose and get pissed off because United are losing and take it so personally. Mm -hmm. United doesn't give a damn about you. They don't care. Yeah, they've got your money like a... They're playing their game. You know, you're a spectator, but you're invested in that. And I think that's what Mm -hmm. Facebook and all the social medias have become is that spectator on other people's lives. I'm like you. I have it all turned off. The only thing I see is photography groups or photography podcast group um, and people that I know through photography. That's it. Nothing else. And if I want to go see somebody who I met 10 years ago, I don't know why I'd want to go see it. But if I ever did want to go see, I'll go into their profile exactly the same as that. Mental health is really, really, really important. And it's great now that I think in the last 10 years that us as men are starting to understand that more. Because we always kind of bottle things up and go, ah, should I be grand? Ah, should I be fine? Ah, sure, I couldn't mm-hmm. tell somebody how I was feeling about that. But guess what? Yeah. As the phrase goes, it's okay to not be okay. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, being creative is a fantastic outlet for it. So no, Vic, I fully agree with your 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 comments on that. And thanks very much for you know speaking so passionately in relation to it. Um, okay, I'm going to take my final break and I'll come back. I've got three quick fire questions that I ask every single guest and I'm not going to let you off either so I'm going to ask you the same ones alright so we'll be right back after this if you're enjoying this episode of the Irish Photography Podcast why not jump back and listen to the back catalogue we have of episodes where you'll get some great insights from fantastic guests gear reviews lots of hints and tips and above all else keeping you company while you drive or relax thanks very much for listening please consider subscribing leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast very welcome back to the final part of the Irish Talkie Podcast. So, Vic, like I said, I've got three questions to ask all my guests. And the first question I ask is, you know, a funny photography story. So, what's yours, Vic Barry? Ah, this is a tough one. A um, couple of years ago, we were in the north of Ireland. Um, and I had a tiny little Osmo pocket at the time, which was a handheld little camera. And I was, like, mm-hmm. vlogging the area. So we went out to the Carrick Arena Rope Bridge. I was like, oh, this will be great, great vlog content. Uh, so at the time, my wife's leg was bust, so she couldn't go. And I don't know if you've been there or not, Darren. I haven't, no. Stunning. I mean, like, there's landscape photo after landscape photo. Yeah. You could you could be on the ground, blind, you know, blacked out, and you'd still manage to take a good photograph of that neck of the woods. Um. So the descent down onto the rope bridge was very, very steep. And I was like, Jesus. And I had the two kids with me, like Cameron okay. and Mia with me. And Mia was four or five. And Cameron was about eight or nine, eight maybe. Mm-hmm. Got down anyway. And I said, I went first. And as soon as I got onto the bridge, complete and utter meltdown, right? Jelly legs. Ah, completely. Because whatever, however high this thing is in the air, Carrickery Probridge, got across to the other side anyway. And the two kids were, I had no idea where they were. They could have fallen off. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> I asked them to scram anyway. 
And I was like, I was just dreading coming back. And the kids could sense this, you know, and I was like a demon on the other side. I was like, just stand there, don't move. I was stressed out. <laughs> and and it's, a, it's an island that you walk onto. You uh-huh. know? And yeah. Yeah. So I was fine anyway. And as we were, you know, you had to queue up either side to get to get on or to get back. So we walked around the island and we, we came back. And uh, this time... I'd go last, so my son Cameron went first. No bother to him. He was jumping up and down in the middle of it, like happy out. And then Mia went. And as I was going across, I, I just started talking into the camera, but again, just started crumbling inside. I mean, I was shaking. Wow. Shaking. And all I hear is this guy shouting, will somebody come up to the child, please? So I had my four and a half, five-year-old <laughs> daughter Way out in the middle of the bridge, I'm on. I'm barely African onto it, shaking. So I had to put on the dad. I had to put on the dad belt, then the dad outfit, and and just race across and grab her. And she was fine. <laughs> but it's funny when we came back and I edited the video and I put the, the video together. On the sides of this rope bridge, on on we'll say it's a wooden rope bridge across, but yeah. on each side of these little planks of wood, uh, there's. Uh, this netting, it's like this very fine fishing net, cargo net. Right. But gotcha. what I didn't see at the time is near the start of it, there's big holes in it. So I wouldn't fit through it, but a four-year-old would have plunged to their death going through wow. it. And it's only when I looked at that, uh, like we can laugh about it now, but at the time I was like, Jesus Christ, what have you done? Wow. You know, so I don't know, is that more funny or harrowing? But that that definitely was just ah, uh, brutal. Not, uh, do, do you know what? It's, it's actually, I don't know if it's funny or harrowing because it's actually something that you probably didn't think of at the time, but then you look back and afterwards and you're like, Jesus Christ almighty, what was I thinking? And what's thinking the this is great content. Yeah, exactly. What's the person that was going, would you look at the parent over there? There he is on his bars bar talking to yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 Good one. Good one. Okay. Um, next one is, what gear do you use now? Uh, so if I'm out and about, Sony ZV-1 or, or maybe the Sony zv 10 but dominantly Sony ZV-1. Main studio camera that I use at the moment, uh, when I say at the moment, permanently for a long, long time, <laughs> is the Sony FX3. Um, That's so only recently a, come out as well, is it? It came out kind of uh, was in March this year, uh, and I picked it up a couple of weeks ago. Very hard camera to get. Um, and there's a Sony G lenses, 1.8, 20mm on that. Um, and and that's kind of the primary gear mics and stuff like that. I, I like the road stuff and yeah. I think it sounds relatively decent. Um, and there's a couple of Sigma lenses and stuff like that. I genuinely love the Sigma 16 mil, the, the 1.4 great nice. little APS lens works really, really well. A lot of my videos before the FX three, actually all of my videos that were done in the studio space were, were shot on that. Um, and, and then I have a, Sigma 600 mil as well, which was put onto the Sony A6600, which was the main studio cam before the FX3. And of course, with the the crop factor in that, that Sigma is about an 849 mil or something like that. Nice. So nice. Yeah. So that's that's predominantly it. But Sony FX3 is is the main the main studio camera for Good. for for the long long future. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. All right. Yeah. Nice investment. But you know what? 
I mean, you've got some fantastic glass there as well, and Sigma glass is phenomenal. Sigma That's great. great. Great value as well, actually, for huge value for money. Like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, and my third question is a thing called a VSP. It stands for Very Solid Product. Product you won't leave home without. You put your name to it if you could. What's yours? I, iPhone. Bang. Simple. Can't argue with that, really, can I? Without, without, without a doubt, it's something, you know, and what's the old cliche? The, the, the best camera is the one that you have on you every yeah, day. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I, I have the 13 arriving. So have on, you? On Friday. And did you have yeah, the 12? Yeah. I, no, I didn't. I skipped the 12. Uh, right. I have the 11 Pro. So I, I said, okay, that, that cinematic mode is like, oh, I, I'm sure I'll use that for something. <laughs> Yeah, it was time to go for a new phone. So, yeah. yeah good, good stuff. Well, good stuff. Right. So, uh, that's it, man. Jeez, we're after getting through all our questions, and I really enjoyed it so far. So far. And I say that, you know, it's something that I was expecting some interesting answers, but Vic, you've given me some excellent answers there, I suppose, really to, to the questions. So, what's good next stuff. for you, man? What's happening next now for you? What's coming up on the channel, or what's happening for you next? Um, so I suppose we just really blaze through the, the 20k subs, 50,000 subscribers is on the... The road to 50k, the, the, so I remember the road to the, 500, now we're on the road to 50k. Yeah, so the 50k will take a little bit longer, but we're, we're going to see, can we accelerate it? Um, so I suppose it, it's like in the real world, it's obviously driving the teamwork brand on with, with video mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. Um, that that doesn't change. It's supposed to be personal sense on YouTube. It, it's fifty k on that video wise. There's there's a few GoPro videos. There's a few Sony videos on the way. Um, I've been planning out a couple of courses for a long time. Very good. Um, so it, it it's time to to try and find time to record them. Mm -hmm. um and and get them up in the likes of skillshare or udemy i'm just looking at um different different platforms um, at, at the moment i want to build out i have victorbarry.com i've had that for for years and years and years i haven't done anything with the site it just redirects to um the youtube channel but uh i have a small little self-high store with lots and a few audio presets so it might be nice to house all of them in one kind of um single single platform Nice. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that, that's kind of, that's kind of it. I, I, I think, you know, um, I try and take each day as it comes grateful for every day. Um, and the opportunities that, that, that it brings, you know, and it, it's just keeping on getting better, you know, like watching YouTube in my house is a disaster because why is daddy watching tutorials? You know, why, why can't we watch more Mr. Beast? You know, why, why, why is daddy watching color grading tutorials? Why is daddy watching audio tutorials? So yeah, it, it's the keep learning thing always because it, it's, I'm not learning for the sake of learning. I'm learning because I enjoy it. Yeah. It makes it um, easier to learn then. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not like going back to school at all, you know? No, no, of course. I mean, look, next week you'll be doing that course on colonic irrigation. I'd say you'll be absolutely fascinated by it. Not. Yeah. I mean, if, you, uh, <laughs> no, if you like something, it's a lot easier to get engaged with yeah. it and learn more in relation to it as well. Um, and where can people find you? So what's all your your, your handle? Um, Victor Barry, VictorBarry.com, Vic Barry on Instagram, um, at Victor Barry on Twitter. Like, I used to be very engaged on Twitter, not so much anymore um instagram i'm more stories driven than than posts driven uh but that that's but the youtube channel is probably the the best spot to to get hold of me um in in, in any capacity because that's the one that i'm kind of most active on 
Twitter, I can go months without using Twitter, or I can go months and it's every five minutes, tap, 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 tap. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, Peter, how's it going? Oh, you didn't respond to the last 500 tweets. You won't respond to this one either, I guess. Um, just call, just so change yeah. your name to the five o'clock man. He'll remember you then. <laughs> Vic, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Irish Talkie Podcast. Thanks a million for coming on. Um, I've loved hearing your story. I've loved, you know, hearing all the, the nuggets of information in relation to the creative point of view i'm really enjoying your youtube channel and what i'll do is i'll put all the details into the show notes as well uh so people can find all of your social links and stuff like that it's been uh, a pleasure i'd have to come down and have a look at your studio someday so you can actually show me some hints and tips that i can turn my my ensuite here that i have into something a bit better yeah <laughs> absolutely darren thanks for your time really enjoyed it thanks dude cheers man thanks a million slanga fall Hey guys, if you dig what you're hearing, why don't you jump over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, and don't forget to share with your friends. With all that done, we'll see you next week, and remember, keep shooting.